Hello, divers. Coming to you from Studio D. This is the Deep Dive Microcast, a brief look into things I find interesting, and I hope you do too. I'm Tom Feeney, raconteur, ketchup bottle collector, and writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine. In this springtime edition of the Deep Dive Microcast, we dive into a major league mashup of two of America's greatest pastimes, baseball and the movies. Not the ones you typically think of, though. There's no field of dreams here, no Bull Durham or Bad News Bears, and naturally, we won't be talking about the natural. No, we're headed into foul territory here. <laughs> the weirdest baseball movies ever made, so get your peanuts and Cracker Jack ready. Now, before we get into the weirdness, however, let's take an 18 and a half hour look into the history of baseball itself. Way back in 1839, one Abner Doubleday from Cooperstown, New York. What? Well, hold on. My producer's trying to tell me something. Can who? Ken Burns, he did? Oh. Okay, well, it seems like some person named Ken Burns already did an exhaustive history of baseball. Hmm, okay. I guess it was a waste of time getting chat GPT to write all these notes. Oh, well. Well, let's start instead with the first motion picture that showed the game of baseball actually being played. Not surprisingly, it was a film made by none other than Thomas Alva Edison. The inventor was, in fact, a baseball fan. During his life, he sponsored several semi-pro teams, including the Ampires, the Edisons, of course, and the Voltas. Edison was even known to throw out the first pitch at ball games from time to time. Edison believed that the game itself with its constant motion would be a great showcase for his newfangled moving pictures. The short film, and I do mean short, depicts part of a game between the minor league Redding Coal Heavers and the Newark Bears. The footage itself is barely 30 seconds long, so it's, you know, actually the perfect length if you're into TikTok. Since then, there have been hundreds of movies that have featured the time-honored sport. Many of them follow similar plot lines. You know, the newcomer needs their big break, or an old-timer tries for one last shot at glory, or downtrodden team comes together and learns how to win. You know the deal. But some baseball movies will go extra innings to be different, to go outside the diamond, if you will. We begin with a silent film from 1917 called Somewhere in Georgia. Sadly, the film is seemingly lost. Uh, No prints are known to exist. Its reputation, however, lives on. The film, which is roughly a half hour in length, deals with a Georgia bank clerk who dreams of being a ball player. He finally gets his chance with the Detroit Tigers, but he has to leave his girlfriend behind. 
coming home to visit his sweetheart, a rival for her affections kidnaps the player. Bad idea, because he breaks free and goes beast mode on his captors, just in time to get back to the ballpark and win the game. Now, if this sounds cliche, remember that this was 1917 and cliches hadn't been invented yet. Uh, I think Edison may have invented those too. Now you may be thinking, what's so weird about that? Well, let me explain. The man playing the lead character, the baseball player, was none other than the baseball legend known as the Georgia Peach, Ty Cobb, playing himself. Now, by most accounts, Cobb was one of the greatest to ever put on a baseball uniform. And he had a reputation for being a violent man and having a rather colorful vocabulary. It's a good thing it was a silent film. As for the movie itself, one reviewer called it, quote, absolutely the worst flick I ever saw, pure hokum, end quote. Got to bring that word back, hokum. I like that. Now, for good or for ill, Cobb wasn't the first pro baseball player to slide into the acting game. Perhaps the greatest player of all time was also one of the most prolific when it came to appearing on the silver screen. George Herman Ruth, the babe. In his 22 seasons playing Major League Baseball from 1914 to 1935, Babe Ruth broke numerous records, first as a pitcher, then as one of the greatest sluggers to ever swing the bat. He was also a man who lived life to the fullest. Whether it was food or drink or womanizing, Ruth was larger than life both on the field and off. His natural charisma made him a superstar and a prime candidate to appear on those once again, newfangled moving pictures. So from 1920 to 1937, the Bambino appeared in nine films, all playing himself. Most of these were short films. Uh, the first were silent, including 1920's Hidden Home, which was a uh, greatly fictionalized account of Babe Ruth's early life. The final short film starring the Babe was called Home Run on the keys. In the nine-minute movie, Ruth arrives back at a cabin after going hunting for pheasant. Already there are musicians Zez Confrey and Byron Gay working on some new songs for their radio show. And who should come up with an idea for a new song but the babe himself? Well, listen, you fellas right here, why don't you write a home run? A home run? A home run. Yes, a home run on the keys. That's a great idea, Mr. Gay. Why don't you do that on the radio? Gee, that is a great idea, babe. How would you do it? Well, let me show you. Ball one. Strike one. A home run. Great. Get it? Well, let's get it. <laughs> All right. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't. 
forget the home run. Oh, <laughs> With the new song in hand, Babe and his pals head off to the radio studio to share their new hit with the world. And now, ladies and gentlemen, coming into the studio, it's the great Babe Ruth himself. Come on, Babe. Hey, what is this? What am I supposed to do here? You're supposed to tell these millions of people listening in just what you're going to do on the air. Well, I can't tell a crowd that I can't see. Oh, say there's nothing to it. Babe, go right to it. It's easy. I'll bet you can do it. Oh, well, hello, folks. My two friends and myself have written a number called The Home Run on the Keys. We're jumping into the studio like this of sudden... Why, we figure we got two strikes on us already. But remember, you only have one to hit. So, David, play it. Okay. Mostly because that was nearly a century ago, and they're all dead now. Anyway, there was one final film that featured Babe Ruth as himself, and it was one of the greatest baseball movies ever made. One that made many a baseball fan tear up long before Field of Dreams. The story of an American hero, cheered and idolized by millions, a symbol of courage and true sportsmanship, the Pride of the Yankees, a strange and fascinating drama in the real life of a man, his hopes, his dreams. In a nationwide poll, millions of Americans voted one man to play the coveted role. That man, Academy Award-winning Gary Cooper. Teresa Wright is the woman who loved and understood him. Gary, I think I could learn to like you. The babe's gonna try for a home run. It's not for the crowd. I'll tell you something the crowd doesn't know anything about. This one's going to be for a little boy in a St. Louis hospital. And I owe you from the Sultan of Swat to a little crippled kid. Will he pay it? 1942's The Pride of the Yankees told the story of baseball legend Lou Gehrig, who played 17 seasons, all for the New York Yankees. Gehrig and Ruth were teammates. And while Gary Cooper played Gehrig, Babe Ruth played himself. The film details Gehrig's life from his days as a Columbia University student, through his baseball career, and finally, his diagnosis with the neurodegenerative disease ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. At the film's end, Gary Cooper delivers the stirring, powerful speech that Gehrig himself made at Yankee Stadium. Just a few years before he succumbed to the disease. People all say that I've had a bad break. But today, today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I'll give you a minute to pull yourselves together and grab some tissues. We'll be right back. Here's an easy question for you. Which of these games is the closest thing to the real thing? 
A, in television, Major League Baseball. B, Atari Baseball. Here they are again, close up. A, in television. B, Atari. If you thought A, in television, you're absolutely correct. You see, I told you this question was easy. And we're back. Next in the lineup, we definitely fall into foul territory because these movies deal with foul play. First up, we have the sheriff from Jaws appearing in a 1989 movie that sunk at the box office. It remains one of actor Roy Scheider's most obscure roles for good reason. It's the baseball-themed thriller Night Game. For Detective Mike Seeger, America's favorite pastime has just become a matter of life and death. We've got six women killed over a two and a half month period. Want to get this guy? What is that, a cleaver? What are we talking? A butcher here? Some goddamn. What about a hook? You know, like a longshoreman's hook? Oh. The time Barreto pitches and wins, this guy strikes. Now, Mike Seeger has to catch the killer before the killer heads for home. Roy Scheider, Night Game. Former major leaguer and current homicide detective Mike Seaver is tracking a serial killer who appears to use some kind of hook as a murder weapon. Now, there's another connection between the murders. Each one happens after every Houston Astros night game when a pitcher takes the mound. A specific pitcher, that is. You can kind of tell Scheider is slumming it here. He's the pretty stereotypical, hard-nosed, seen-it-all, world-weary type who plays by his own rules. But who's the killer? Could it be the disgruntled former Astros pitcher who lost his arm in an accident and now wears a prosthetic hook? The same guy with a grudge against his former teammate who took his spot on the pitching roster? Nah, that would be way too... Oh, wait. No, it totally was the guy with the hook. Go figure. I mean, yeah, as a murder mystery, it's no knives out. It's not even baby's day out. Certainly, it's far from Roy Scheider's finest performance. Still, it's remarkable to watch someone sleepwalk through a film while totally overacting at the same time. Now that's talent. Yes, there are worse ways to spend 90 minutes. I just can't think of any at the moment. We'll be back after this. I've been hearing this other guy talk about his realistic home video baseball game. Well, I played real baseball. I also played the new Atari Real Sports Baseball, and I like it. Because I can hit and run, steal, pick off runners. Hey, it's baseball like baseball should be played. And who are you going to listen to anyhow? That other guy who just talks baseball? Or a nice guy like me who lives it? New Real Sports Baseball, one in a series only from Atari. Hey, remember Wesley Snipes? The guy who started his rise to fame after appearing in the Michael Jackson music video, Bad? The guy who stole the show in New Jack City? Who showed the world that white men can't jump? Ah, the 1990s were great to Snipes. 
with his career peaking in 1998, playing the title Daywalker in the first great Marvel movie, Blade. The 2000s, however, were not as kind. And for tax purposes, we won't be discussing that. Early in his career, Snipes appeared as outfielder Willie Mays Hayes in the 1989 comedy Major League. The film was a huge success, and to this day is quoted on practically a daily basis by some sportscaster somewhere. But did you know Wesley Snipes was in another not-so-successful baseball movie, one which also starred legend Robert De Niro? No? Well then, let me present to you The Fan. Yeah, this is Bobby. Chilling. Bobby. Stunning. Batter up, Bobby. Unforgettable. What do you want from me? From the director of Crimson Tide comes a first-class thriller. Bobby Rayburn is in for the night of his life. De Niro snipes. He's in the stadium. Four stars. Don't miss it. The Fan. Now do you care? Made it all at Theaters Friday. The 1996 film The Fan had San Francisco Giants superstar Bobby Rayburn, who was having a slump at the plate. This causes some fans to turn against him. But not baseball-obsessed fan Gil. No, he's a superstar and will do anything to help his hero get his groove back. Robert De Niro is the obsessed fan, doing kind of a rehash of his completely unhinged character in Scorsese's Cape Fear. First, Gil murders Rayburn's teammate and rival. Then he worms his way into Rayburn's life. Now, Rayburn, unaware of Gil's obsession, says he thinks diehard fans are, quote, losers. Gil, not taking that very well, kidnaps his young son and threatens to kill the boy if Rayburn doesn't hit a home run during a rain-soaked night game. Now, if this sounds like a typical kind of color-by-numbers thriller, you're not wrong. I mean, it's not a bad movie by any means, but even when it came out in 1996, it had been done before. And better. And it's kind of a shame because you have all the makings of a real crowd-pleaser. It had two charismatic actors facing off against each other. It had a talented director, Tony Scott, who also helped Crimson Tide and the original Top Gun. Brilliant composer Hans Zimmer, who recently scored last year's Dune, crafted the music for the fan. But, as happens sometimes, the whole thing was not greater than the sum of its parts. Speaking of parts, last up at bat is a gruesome tale of a baseball player who loses an important body part in a car accident. No, not that one. In 1993, the pay TV channel Showtime debuted a made-for-cable movie called Body Bags. It was a horror anthology film presented and hosted by none other than Halloween director John Carpenter. Of the three segments featured, Carpenter directed two. The third, titled I, was directed by Texas Chainsaw Massacre's Toby Hooper. In that segment, National treasure Mark Hamill plays Brent Matthews, a minor leaguer whose career is finished 
unless a new surgical technique can give him an eye transplant. The operation is a complete success with a few unforeseen side effects. Nothing too serious, just horrible hallucinations of mutilation, murder, and worse. Fearing that he might harm his wife, played by British model Twiggy, Matthews confronts the doctor to find out just where that transplanted eye came from. What have you done to me? I don't know what you're talking about. What's happening to me? Are you out of your mind? Calm down. This eye. This eye. Where in the hell did this eye come from? What does it matter? Tell me. It, uh, from a man, a man who died. How did he die? He was executed. He, he died in the gas chamber. Well, who was he? Tell me. Uh, Randall. John Randall. Okay, so not good news there. Now, Matthews is convinced that the killer's spirit is trying to assert control and continue his killing spree. Now, no spoilers, but if you uh, see this movie, be sure to keep an eye out for the grisly ending. So, where can you see these wonderful slices of American life? Well, the Edison short, called The Game, and several of the Babe Ruth shorts can be found on YouTube. The Pride of the Yankees is available on Amazon's Prime Video for free if you're a subscriber. It's also on the ad-supported streaming service Tubi for free. Night Game with Roy Scheider is also on Prime Video and Tubi, along with Paramount Plus and MGM Plus. The Fan, starring Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro, is available on both Stars and Hulu for subscribers and Prime Video for a $3.99 rental. And the anthology horror film Body Bags is practically everywhere, including Peacock, Shout Factory TV, Tubi, Roku, Shudder, AMC Plus, and uh, probably your neighbor's house if you ask nicely. Thanks for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And we want to hear from you. Drop us a line at thedeepdivepodcast@gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to all of those and our merchandise store in the bio of our Instagram page. From all of us here at Studio D, which again is just me and my cat, stay safe and take care. All clips used in the Deep Dive microcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. The Deep Dive Lounge theme was arranged and performed by Robert Acorn based on the original composition by Ryan Blaney. The Deep Dive microcast is a production of Automaton Studios.
can get that malarkey. I'm safe. I said you're out. I'm safe. You're out. Safe. 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 Out. I say you're safe. If you don't like it, you can go to the showers. Okay then, Doc. Have it your way. I'm safe. <laughs> 